0: We've been in this series um, from Luke chapter 15 and we've called this series Lost and Found because in this particular chapter, Jesus tells three stories and they're all about things that were lost and then restored, they were found. These beautiful stories, one about a lost sheep that was found, one about a lost coin and then kind of the biggie is the lost son, the prodigal son who finds that he has recklessly wasted his life and returns home and is restored home. Things that were lost and things that were found. And in this series, we've really focused on, listen, God is the God who never gives up. That was week number one. Second week was God is the God who celebrates our lives and celebrates these recovery, restorative steps that that we're taking. He celebrates, we have a God who celebrates and last, week we talk about he is the God who restores. Yes. Lost and found. But then there's like this other part of loss that is not always found. In fact, it was uh, three weeks ago that Pastor Kalen joined me and we kind of told the story, this crazy, beautiful story about her engagement ring. If you were here, you'd, I'm sure you'd remember her sharing that story. And, and it was just a, just a few weeks before her wedding, and she came home from running errands, and it was lost. And it was like, oh, I mean, the desperation, just the cries of anguish, right? And the cries to Jesus, like, may this ring be found, And then we shared the story about just not giving up, about pursuing that and and how God led Kalen to that ring in the most just crazy place where it just could have been lost forever so easily. And it was just this beautiful picture of something that was lost and found. It was after that service that someone reached out to me. It was someone who I love who had recently gone through a divorce. and simply asked the question, What about rings that aren't found? What about rings that aren't found? And of course, he was referring to things that aren't going to be brought back to us on this side of eternity. And my mind went to more stories that I could have shared that first morning that I didn't. And they also are family stories that all involve rings. Kelly and I both lost our original wedding bands. Never to be found. Mine was, we were at a big youth event and it got left behind at a hotel and, you know, they claimed they never found it. <laughs> Lost. Never never restored. Got a new ring. I didn't get that ring. Kelly's wedding, wedding ring was stolen in a cross-country move that we were making many years ago. It's been replaced with a different ring, but that ring... That ring from her wedding is lost, never to be restored. My dad uh, had no uh, siblings other than two half-brothers that were much older than he was. And one of these brothers, um, he was very, they had a real strained relationship. Very, very strained relationship. you know my, he was just about leaving the house when when my dad came along. It was many years between them and so it was always this kind of this awkward strain um, and, and then my dad began to follow after Jesus and gave his life to the Lord and was pursuing him and was doing ministry and, and my my half uncle was you know, off doing all kinds of other things with his life other than following after Jesus. But God began to to bring bring something together. Probably my dad's midlife, and uh, it was beautiful, and they kind of reconnected. and And my my half uncle wanted to do something really special for his little brother, and uh, so he had this custom ring designed for my dad that was just a one of a kind piece and it was this beautiful symbol of like of, of this you know gifting and family and restoration and my dad loved that ring wore it all over and and came my dad came home from one of his ministry trips and somehow that ring ended up in one of the pockets of like a suit coat and it went to the cleaner and that cleaner never found that ring it's gone Never to be found. See, there's some things, and as what we've been talking about over the last three weeks, there are some things that God is absolutely going to restore in our lives. Absolutely, he's gonna restore. As we give ourselves to that just faithful pursuit of those things with God, we're gonna see things restored. Our relationship with God Oftentimes our relationship with others, our peace, that freedom from anxiety, from addiction or whatever, those things that the enemy had stolen, we thought, some of them we thought were lost forever because kind of like we'd sown those seeds and now we're, you know, we're growing that fruit, right? I went out like the prodigal son and recklessly wasted this part of my life and I just thought it would never be restored but we see God bring miraculous, beautiful restoration. Man, we serve a good God, don't we? And all of that is true. But something else is true. That there is loss that comes in life that is part of a human experience that God does not somehow just hit a button, and all loss stops in our lives. I mean, if that were the case, no one would ever die. No one would ever get diagnosed with a, a disease. Many of you know that, that uh, before coming here, about, it was about eight, eight and a half years ago that I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. That thyroid's gone. Jesus had a lot of opportunity to bring it back. He has not. There is loss that we experience In life, many things God will bring back and fully restore, but there are other things, those rings that sometimes are never to return. And what are we to do with that? How do we bring our loss, sometimes very, very painful, and how do we bring that into intersection with our faith. Can faithful followers of Jesus experience loss, pain, and grief in such a way that we're not knocked over, that we're not like, uh, that our faith is not somehow being dealt a fatal blow? And if you've been with us over the past weeks, we've looked at the end of Luke 15, because Jesus puts this twist ending on this story of the prodigal son. And that's because he had an older brother. And that brother experienced loss. Half of the family's wealth had walked out the door. And then this prodigal brother of his comes home. And dad wants to throw a party because we have the God who celebrates. But this brother, like, wasn't having it. His His loss was profound. It was deep. It was impacting all of who he was. And we're left with this picture of this older brother walking away, kind of tipped upside down by this whole story. And the father goes after him. And again, we see this beautiful picture of the God, our father, never giving up, even when we've turned our back and are walking away. We see God following, but we don't have the end of the story. We don't know if that brother came back. We need to have a faith-filled framework for loss, for grief, for pain that is so strong that when we do experience loss and we do experience pain, that guess what? That we're not gonna get knocked over and that we're not going to give up on God. So I want to share a few things that we see in Scripture, what I would call three faith-filled truths about loss. Faith-filled truths about loss. But I'm going to be kind of brief in my remarks, and sometimes I go a little longer, but you're going to be happy that, that I'm going a little shorter because we're going to have a really special opportunity to hear from a couple that's going to join me in conversation to talk about these things. But I wanna share with you a few things that I think can kind of anchor this conversation. Three faith-filled truths about loss. Number one, it's important to grieve. I think that somehow as followers of Jesus, we can maybe have this mistaken thought that because God is good, right? We declare that all the time. God is good. Amen. All the time. And all the time. God is good. I mean, those are the kind of things that we hear as kind of the fabric of our faith journeys. And how does loss, how does grieving, how does pain fit with, with that? It is so important to grieve. And grief and loss and pain, I need to tell you, are not in conflict with our faith. In fact, when we really get to know the God of Scripture, the God of history, what we find is right through the Bible, there are many, many places where grief is genuinely and honestly entered into. And by people of faith, by people whose hearts were set on God, and we see this nowhere clearer than in the Psalms. In the Psalms, there are well over a dozen different Psalms, which remember, those are all songs that were written as worship before the Lord. There's well over a dozen that are called Psalms or songs of lament, where there's this brutally honest, grieving things that have been lost and the pain experienced in that, but it's in no way devoid of the presence of God. One of these, I mean, there's many that we could point to if we had longer, and you can Google this, just Psalms of Lament, and it'll just bring up a whole list. You can read through them, but one of them, Psalm 6. I want you to read just several verses so you catch the, the weight of this. The psalmist writes or sings, starting in verse 2 of Psalm 6 Have compassion on me, Lord, for I'm weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Have you ever been there? Where every bit of your person is hurting. I've been there. I am sick. At heart. How long, O oh Lord, until you restored me? Until you restore me. This is someone who's experienced loss, but has not experienced yet any kind of restorative work of God. And so it just cries out, How long, O oh Lord, until you restore me? Return, O oh Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the dead don't remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? So he's like even like appealing before the Lord saying like, God, if I die in my grief here, how is that gonna bring you any praise? I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. Listen, we get through passages of scripture like that and we go, where is God in that? Like, wait a second, I thought God was supposed to be the answer. Lord, to all of our human experiences and all of this loss, it's like, what do I do with this? Isn't God supposed to be the answer to loss and pain and grieving? Yes, the answer is yes. But that yes does not take away our human experience. It does, not, it's like it, it does not remove the heartache that comes from experiencing loss. And that we are to grieve. We are to learn how to lament. To bring our grief into the presence of the Lord without ever feeling that somehow we're violating Jesus, that we're violating our faith. And the Psalms teach us to do that. It teaches us about real life. They teach us that our faith-filled journey will sometimes be intersected by points of loss. Some that God, we're gonna find, brings amazing restoration, recovery to. Things that are lost and found. And there's other things that we've experienced as losses that at least on this side of eternity aren't gonna be found with quick answers or restorations. And it's Jesus who takes one of these psalms of lament to the cross with him. Did Jesus experience loss? (laughs) Yes, he did. Did he experience pain and grief? Yeah, he did. And it was actually, he was quoting Psalm 22 verse 1 on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? (sighs) Lament. Many of these psalms of lament, as you continue to read in them, do show how faith in the Lord is integrated into our pain and our loss. One of these, Psalm 77, let me just reference a few of these verses and you can read the whole thing later. But in verse seven, the psalmist asked the question, has the Lord rejected me forever? Has he slammed the door on his compassion And I said, this is my fate. The most high has turned his hand against me. I mean, do do you feel like the legitimate anguish, the, the sorrow, the sense of like permanent loss? But then there's this intersection with faith and a remembrance of who God is, even in spite of our pain because then the the song turns and there's another verse as it were because the song goes on but then i recall all you have done o lord i remember your wonderful deeds of long ago there's a rehearsing that this one thing this loss does not define all of who you are that god that in my lifetime and in, in my previous, the previous generations of my family and looking back in history, God, I have seen you over and over again show your faithfulness. And so, God, even in the midst of my pain, I can turn my heart to you, recalling all you have done because, God, you are still faithful. And we come away from these psalms of lament knowing that it does not take away anything from God's presence even in the middle of our pain or his faithfulness to bring healing and ministry, even though those things may not all be restored. It's important to remember to grieve. Second thing that we see repeatedly through scripture is not as only is it important to remember to grieve, but it's also important to grow, to grieve and to grow. And I wanna be really sensitive here talking about this topic because usually the growth does not come in the first wave of grief or loss or pain. Oftentimes the growth comes in the seasons after we have processed our grief in healthy ways and we've learned to just pour out our heart and our anguish to the lord and then as we begin in subsequent seasons to reflect back and to realize you know that one thing or that cluster of things that was was lost that there are things that god is now beginning to show me that i now understand that i never would have fully grasped had i not walked through that season and time and again, we'll bump into people who, in spite of dramatic loss, are thriving in their relationship with Jesus. And it's, I believe it's people who have learned to both grieve and then to grow. But I want to be sensitive in that because, listen, especially these past couple of years, so much loss has been, you know, has been felt, not only in our community, but of course, globally. I mean, people that have lost so many loved ones, so many friends, jobs, marriages, resource, all kinds of things that have been lost. And so what you're not hearing this pastor say is, hey, come on, yeah, thank you, yeah, get over it. No, there is no get over it message and you are not gonna hear get over it in this message. There is real grief and then there's the possibility for real growth. C.S. Lewis, just such an amazing thinker, author, follower of Jesus, kind of best known for Chronicles of Narnia but he wrote a lot more than that. One of the things that he said about pain is he said this, I think we have the quote up here. God whispers us God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us, or speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It's like sometimes, man, when God is really wanting to highlight something in our lives, there's going to be pain that then He's like, "But here's what I want to show you." Here's what I want to reveal to you. And I know many of you would remember that Paul went through some of this big time of God speaking to him in the middle of his pain and loss. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul is talking about something that had invaded his life. He called it a thorn in his flesh. A thorn. Something that was deep and painful. And we don't know exactly what the loss was. We know that it it was causing him to have a loss of his peace. Because he begs the Lord to remove it. But then... It is very likely because of some other things we read in Scripture that was also the loss of health. And he, and he writes to the church in Corinth, talking about his own journey with this, this thorn in the flesh. And starting in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 12, he says, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace! Each time, each time he begs the Lord, to take away the pain that I'm experiencing through this, this loss, and says each time he hears from God, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's when I'm strong. God will shout to us in our pain. God, I'd really rather that you would whisper. But, God, I'll take those shouted truths. Things that will impact me so deeply that they will become part of my story and part of my faith journey. There's a third thing it's important to grieve, it's important to grow. And it's important to remember heaven. We're not going to turn there now, but it's in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, that Paul is reminding the followers of Jesus that, listen, remember, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Like there's different kinds of grief. And if you've ever met someone who's going through grief that does not have Jesus, you just look at them and you go, how are they even processing this loss? Because they don't have the hope that we have. But how does this work? How, how, why is it possible that we can not grieve as those who have no hope? Well, because our hope is not just in this world here and now that is going to be filled with some pain and loss and grief, but we have heaven. We're all pain. Will be resolved. Amen. We have this beautiful picture written in the revelation of John as he's looking into heaven. And we get almost to the very end of this vision of heaven. Revelation 21 3 and 4. Listen to what John says that he experienced in this vision. He says, I heard a loud shout from the throne. Mind the very presence of God. Listen to this. Saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And that's, the part, that's probably the part that maybe you remember. God wipes away every tear in heaven, but listen how he goes on because it's so powerful. And there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. <sighs> remember, heaven, so that we are not caught grieving as those who don't have that hope, that all loss will be remedied in the presence of our Lord one day. Dennis and Debbie Jordan, I'd like for you to come and join me. Some of you know their story already It's because they've been so gracious to share this in different occasions, but I just felt like we cannot end today with just some truths that could sound just very theoretical and like, you know, sometimes what we learn in the classroom does this really hold water out in the real stories of our lives, Um, But you guys, who are precious friends and pastors as part of our larger team at Santa Maria Foursquare, um, you guys lost a young son to leukemia many years ago. And it was very defining in your story. And I want for you guys to share a bit of that because there are some, of course, who don't know that story at all. And then let's talk about maybe some of these kinds of things and how you've seen them played out in your own stories. But I want to just ask um, Dennis first, as a dad, can you tell us a little bit about your son? I think we have a a photo as well um, that we're going to put up. But do you want to talk to us about Ryan and and what grief and loss was like for you as a dad?
1: Uh, Super cute. This is Ryan Michael Jordan. Uh, He was born in 1979, and just before turning three, Ryan was diagnosed with leukemia. And we went through three and a half years of treatment for Ryan, but on December the 10th, 1985, Ryan graduated to heaven. And Debbie and I joined a group of people known as bereaved parents, a group that we will be a part of all of our lives, because there will always be grief associated with Ryan, but our faithful God has carried us. And I would say in my story, there was much prayer that he would be healed, and when he was not healed, there was a lot of whys, why not? What went wrong? Was there sin in my life? Did I not have enough faith? Did we not pray enough? All of those kind of questions. And for a number of years, I went through major, major depression to the point that I functioned well, I was in the Air Force, I got promoted, had great assignments, but I was kind of a living shell. But this morning, I want to, if you go to the next slide, it's going to be a slide. This is where I come from this morning. There's been some tears this morning, but their tears are not tears of sadness over Ryan and Ryan not being here. They have actually become tears of joy and gladness that... As the song says, and just when you thought you had it all together, you knew every verse to get you through. But this time the sorrow broke more than just your heart, and reciting all the verses just won't do. We, I mean, we had quoted every healing scripture. We had done everything we knew to do to see that our son healed, but he wasn't healed. And so you're left like, what, 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 what's wrong? Go on. When answers aren't enough, there is Jesus. He is more than just an answer to your prayer. And your heart will find a safe and peaceful refuge. When answers aren't enough, Jesus is there. And that's what I say this morning is that 37 years later, uh, Ryan's not coming back to me as David said in the Old Testament. One day I'm going to go to Ryan. But until then, Jesus is here. Jesus has kept me. I love life. I love my wife of almost 49 years. I love my children, my seven grandchildren. And so if you are grieving and you think, there's no way I'm ever going to get through this, you do get through it. Is it hard? You better believe it's hard. But you do get through it. So when answers aren't enough, there is Jesus. That's what I would say about wow. grieving.
0: Thank you, thank you, Dennis. Thank you. And I see you've got your Kleenex there, yeah, right I, I, yeah, at exactly, hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So. Debbie, loss and grieving from a mama's heart and a mama's perspective probably was a little, a little more different than Dennis's. Um, talk to us about your journey and what you experienced
2: hardest thing for me was losing part of my identity. I was known as a mom to two boys, Ryan and Chad. And so for people who didn't know me as that, particularly we moved in the military, they only knew me as the mom of Chad. And I used to dread that question. How many children do you have? Oh, I used to hate it. But I would always just say we have two, we have one in heaven and we have a, a son. That was before we adopted our daughter. And you know, probably the biggest thing, Tim, is that when a woman loses her husband, she's called a widow. When a husband loses his wife, he's called a widower. When children lose their parents, they're called orphans. But what is a parent who's lost a child? There's no name for that. And could it be because the, the pain is so great that there's no word to describe it. And so in my own journey with the Lord, because I was, you know, we really did believe into the very end that our son would be healed. I, and, and I've shared this. I just remember getting on my knees and praying. I could All I could do was cry, and I just cry. And Job, in the, the book of Job, he became my friend. And I read all of the Psalms of Lament and the Book of Lamentations. I really, you know, that was all I could read because it's like they understand what I'm going through. But all I could do was cry. And I learned firsthand that scripture in uh, Romans 8 that says with our groanings and with our sighings, the Spirit takes our intercession to the Father. And he, Jesus, I knew that Jesus was interceding for me. That was so healing to me because I couldn't even pray on my own. And believing for divine healing, it took quite a while for me to have the faith to begin to believe that again.
0: Wow, thank you. I remember in our conversations um, leading up to this that you shared that there was a, a scripture from the Old Testament that was really meaningful to, to you. Can you. Can you share that? Because it was so meaningful to me and it was not one that I recognized or would have immediately gone to, but I know in your guys' story, this became so important. Would you, would you mind sharing what you discovered in that?
2: It's Habakkuk 3, and what we hear a lot with bere- bereaved parents, because, you know, God gives you, we weren't looking for a ministry but it's just like as God began to heal us, we begin to reach out to bereaved parents and just grieving people in general. If anything, and so the question often is, is how could good come out of something so okay. horrible? Okay, I,
0: I was going to ask you that. So, yeah, I, yes. yeah, I yeah. beat you to the punch. So <laughs> Or you beat me to the punch, yeah. Okay,
2: and so but that's why that verse goes with that. But it's like, um, God, I think for us, for both of us, empathy has just been increased because if you've never been through a loss, well, just count yourself blessed, but brace yourself because you're going to experience one eventually. Yeah. Because like he was saying, if none of us has suffering, if none of us have pain, we would be the most immature people there would ever be. Very superficial, very immature, and uh, You know
0: what? I'm so glad you said that and not me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can say because did I you, lived it.
0: You know, because when we talk about grieving and then growing, I want you to repeat that so it really sinks in. If we've never experienced, go ahead. If
2: you've never experienced loss, you will never experience maturity. You will not grow. And it's just like what Pastor Tim is saying. And like Rick Warren is always saying, he said, there's a reason for pain. God gives us, he said, don't waste your pain. God has has us to go through pain for a reason, and that's to grow. And he said, we are given the choice that we become better or we can become bitter. Yeah. And all of us know people who chose to be bitter. But Dennis and I chose to be better. So, as I was praying and crying out to the Lord and reading through Job and Lamentations, um, Habakkuk 3 just really stood out to Dennis, both both to us. And it was like I want to see that again, I'm going to have to go up here. That even though, and it goes through all of these things that even though, but the last line says, yet I will.
0: Yeah, yet I will rejoice yet in the Lord. Yet
2: I will rejoice. So no matter what kind of pain you go through, it's a, it's a mindset, is developing a mindset, even though the, fl- the figs don't blossom, even though the cattle are not in the stall. So we're looking at loss. W- there's loss of food, loss of loss of an income, there's loss of a job, eat, and in our case, there's loss of a child, even though I will still rejoice in my God. Amen. And as Job said, though he slay me, I will still call him my Redeemer, Amen. and my Redeemer lives.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord.
2: Woo! And one more thing I want to say is what you're saying. You know, not every loss is ever restored. But what God does, if we give it to him, give our loss to him and say, Lord, take my life, he restores it.
0: Ah, I like that. Doesn't just restore it. He restories it. He takes our story and turns it into something that is different than we would have ever imagined and that we would not have written it this way. But he restories even as he repurposes and gets us ready for the seasons ahead. So good. Thank you. Thank you. So Dennis, I know you guys have Walked with a whole lot of people over the past decades that have experienced different kinds of loss, grief, pain, and in fact, uh, I hope I'm not spoiling anything, but I think that you're doing some pretty major writing on this topic. Okay, go ahead. Can I? Can, can we share? You share it. Share. This is so cool because out of all of this, decades later, God is uh, bringing about an opportunity. And, and tell them what you're doing.
2: I'm writing a book on grief. The Lies Grief Tells You.
0: The Lies That Grief Tells You.
2: That's the working title. Woo! But I mean, it's regret, that's the first one. Yeah. The second one is guilt. I should have, should have been, I should have, could have, would have. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm never going to live through this. I can't survive this. God has abandoned me. Yeah. I will never forgive.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. How many of you are excited <laughs> to have that resource available? And Dennis, um, you, you've had all kinds of opportunities to minister to different people. In fact, um, he had forward, forwarded me a podcast to, that was just recorded um, just in the past months. And uh, we're going to link that so you can hear a longer version and, uh, and go more in depth on some of these things. But you've learned a lot about how to, we'll put that on Facebook, we'll send it out, but um, What would you tell us, because many people here are going through loss, but we also have family, we have friends, we have neighbors, we have co-workers who are experiencing loss. Can you give us a couple of things to think about to like what to do or not to do when others around us are experiencing loss so that we can help and not hurt in the process?
1: I happen to write down six quick ones. The first one is ministry of presence. Show up and shut up. Come on. They don't need your words. For one thing, you don't really have any words to say to somebody who has just seen their son die, okay? So just show up. Your presence is what's needed.
0: So what I'm hearing, though, is that sometimes we just avoid altogether because we don't know what to do. We
1: need you. We want you. Uh, Bereaved people want you, but they don't want you to give all these platitudes of, well, isn't he better? He's not suffering anymore. He's in heaven with Jesus. We know all of that stuff. We don't need to be told that. We yeah. just need you to be there.
0: Yes. The next
1: good. is, don't say, let me know if you need anything. Bereaved people don't know what they need. They, they can barely breathe for the next minute. Yeah. So don't be saying, "Don't tell me, do you need anything? Do things like bring food. If they have small children, assist with those children. Do practical things that will mean something to them. Next is, don't be afraid to mention the loved one's name and ask if there's anything they would like to share about that loved one. We love it when people would ask us about Ryan, and they would say Ryan's name. Do you, you think, well, if I don't make them bring the name up, they're not going to feel sad? Do you think we're going to ever forget our kid's name? No way. We'll always remember Ryan Michael Jordan. So you don't hurt us when you bring up that name. We love to hear that name. Uh, be a true 2 o'clock in the morning friend. Most of us don't have a lot of two-in-the-morning-clock friends. In other words, who can you call at two o'clock in the morning when the world's falling apart? You can probably, on one hand, count who those people are, but be a true two-o'clock-in-the-morning friend. And then when grief first takes place, the death first takes place, lots of people come around. You're just surrounded by people. Be one of those people that's going to be there when everyone else has gone home. So Be good. there in the weeks following when you are just like, how do I even pick my feet up one more time? Be that person that's there when everybody else has gone home and thinks that life is returned to normal. People, when you lose someone close to you, there is no new. Everything's a new normal. You never have normal. Normal is really a myth. Yeah. And if you want to think about it in life, normal is a myth. So don't, don't, don't forsake them. And then finally... Remember birthdays and death dates. I really try to do this with people that I know that, particularly with their children, what was the birth date of that children? What was the death date of their child? And send them a text, call them. Just remember that I'll never forget that Ryan was born on June 28th, 1979. So for somebody. yeah, yeah and, no. and she definitely will not. And, yeah, and Chad would often, when we were living apart and he was in college and we were away, he would always call on those days or so December the 10th, the date that Ryan died. Do you think we're going to ever forget December the 10th, 1985? It's not going to happen. So to, to call and say, just thinking of you. And again, you don't have to use a lot of words, just say, just wanted you to know, you're in my thoughts, yeah. I'm praying for you. So, so, so there are just some of the suggestions that we have discovered that are, are beneficial. So.
0: Wow. Mm. Would you please say thank you to the Jordans? <laughs> what losses are we experiencing? Not, not everyone loses a child. Some do. Many of us will lose parents, siblings, friends. Or maybe it's not through death. Maybe it's the death of a relationship or a dream or the end of termination of a job or a marriage or different things. There's all kinds of different loss that we can experience. And sometimes it can feel so heavy it's like that boulder that like is just crushing, crushing. How will I move on beyond this moment? I just want to leave you with what we've been hearing all through today from our worship and speaking the name of Jesus. And hearing, I think, especially in those words of Dennis, even that are illustrated in that song, that when when all the verses and stuff just aren't enough there is Jesus. And when we feel that burdens are too heavy to carry, remember what Jesus spoke in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Loss doesn't all go away but what we can experience is that what is found is found in Jesus. His peace, his healing, and the restoration that can only come in his presence. Let's pray. Jesus, we do come to you. And we come to you, Lord, not only in our strengths and in our strong moments, but God, we come to you. Lord Jesus, in times of grief, lament, hurt, pain, brokenness, where it feels like it is so heavy, we will never be able to move on. So we just come to you, Jesus. We come to you. And we know that in you, Lord Jesus, we can find restoration, not always of the thing that was lost but we can find the inner restoration lord restoration that was so beautifully illustrated by Dennis and Debbie of peace and of even gladness lord it blows us away it's a miracle and lord Jesus in all of this in the grief and in the growth lord we also just we remember that you have gone ahead of us to heaven to prepare a place where all loss will forever be gone and we rejoice in that. I'm gonna ask our prayer and ministry team to come forward and I think today kind of uniquely, today uniquely there may be people that are experiencing all kinds of different things and Dennis and Debbie, if you would make yourselves available too, it would be such an honor to have people that might wanna just come to you in particular. But don't leave before receiving a touch from Jesus. Learn to grieve, learn to grow, learn to remember heaven in all new ways. Friends, this has been a really deep series. I think a good series. (laughs) Things are lost and found. Next week is gonna be really special. We're gonna have a, a, a dear friend of mine sharing. And man, I really hope that you are here because I, he has a word for our church that is um, just fresh and on point and is gonna be really, really good. And I, I long for you to hear that. And uh, I'm so, so thankful for, for our church and how we do learn to surround people as we grieve. Be blessed this week. Love you.